This training is going to help open the door of what companioning is about. You will learn how to handle the awkward silence when you listen and how not to fix things, how to just be a good companion. We see Job's friends, three friends, showed up. They sat next to his side seven days and seven nights and said nothing. That was honoring some awkward silence right there. There's all sorts of skills and tools that are available. Anyone can do this pretty much. It's been said that Noah's Ark was built by amateurs and the Titanic was built by professionals. People like Cindy and I, we're not therapists, we're not doctors. We've been doing this for many years. Anybody that has the calling to do this, regardless of their spiritual background or faith, can do it. And everybody who is involved with a first responder or a second responder in any sense would really benefit from these skills because we are just learning how to use our own personality and our own way of thinking to support other people that don't have what they need when they need it. So it's something that people come to us all the time and ask for something random. You know, sometimes it's a book, sometimes it's a movie thing that they saw. Sometimes they want to tell us about a resource that they have come across. And it happens all the time. And we can connect that to people that are able to use the information. And it also really builds our own relationships with them. I would really encourage people to take a look at this workshop. It's a little bit of a preview of things to come in terms of other training. And we would love to see you there. Hello and welcome. I'm Lori Hardy. Thanks for listening in as we continue to talk with leaders in our community. Joining me today is Merle and Cindy Meyer, Senior Chap- senior Community Chaplains, Grief and Trauma Chaplaincy. And they are talking with us today about the Traumatic Grief Companioning Project. And they want to also let you know about a workshop coming up called Understanding Traumatic Grief. It's November 4th. If you'd like information on that or to register, go to www.support7.org. We are welcoming back our chaplains today. We have Merle Myers and Cindy Myers, and I'm so excited to catch up with you because you have a new project. Why don't we just hit the road running with that? Well, hi, Lori. It's great to be with you again. We are in a group called Traumatic Grief Companioning Project, and since COVID has come, a lot of grief groups, traumatic loss groups have ceased to function. And Dr. Ted Reinerson came up with the vision of putting together a team to companion people. This isn't therapy, but it is companioning, going alongside people and be available to first responders, including first responder chaplains, people that have been crime victims, people in the community that have suffered significant life loss, train those in churches so each church can have a grief vocal. They can keep things in-house, grow that community. We want to work with the funeral directors, the medical examiners, personnel, because they're faced with, with death every day. And all of these people in all of these groups, they get secondarily traumatized. So we want to be there for them. People in the community that really need the help, so many of them don't have access to therapists, or those that do have to wait a month to three months. But so much of what we do with the traumatic loss, it really doesn't involve therapists anyway. Dr. Ryan Earson, who is a psychiatrist, 
he wants to have companioning have a big presence out there. And so we were each hand selected by, by Dr. Ryan to put this together and be available. So we're starting this and uh, we're going to be having a training on November 4th. It's called Understanding Traumatic Grief. And we're gonna be training people from these backgrounds as well as anybody else that wants to attend, what companioning is, what it isn't, the difference between companioning and therapy. And we're going to demystify therapy as well, because a lot of people are confused. What type of therapist do I see? So we're going to make that pretty plain as well. When we talked last time, you mentioned that a lot of times people look at chaplains as like religious. And I had an experience this last week. I lost a friend. And my first thought was to reach out to you guys because I felt like the family needed some support. I thought, oh, I wanted them to have a deeper understanding of what a chaplain is. And so it kind of gave me a new appreciation versus we spoke with Shannon with Support 7 and how chaplains get on the scene of big events. But what about these one-off small event. Let's start a little bit back with Dr. Ray Nearson. He's one of the foremost leaders in the Pacific Northwest on grief and traumatic loss, which is a sudden unnatural death. It can be even a natural death that happened more suddenly than expected or something that was an unexpected component like how someone died or the fact that they were fine one moment and the next moment they weren't. So we try to support people with that. And Dr. Ryan as a therapist, was saying, you know what? I'm getting the sense that what people need is a community of support around them more than they need therapy. He said there are legitimate therapy circumstances where you have something in the past that is coming back to disorient you from properly managing circumstances in the present. But that's not the main part of what I'm seeing here. What I'm seeing here is people that are really suffering from a terrible loss and they need a community around them to support them. So he began teaching techniques, which is something that we had taken and we have co-facilitated grief groups and specified grief groups for the suicide losses or traumatic losses of homicide or accidents or other kinds of circumstances, sometimes partners, sometimes children, worked with the people with that. And now he would like to make this available to especially first responders and the first responder community that are exposed to traumatic loss on a daily basis. The majority of the people we deal with are people that are affected by trauma and grief. So they're in the primal part of the brain, fight, flight, or freeze, and that can lead to nightmares when they sleep and then flashbacks during the day, horrific scenes uh, in their head, and then come the waves of sadness, the grief. We work with primarily those people. Dr. Ryanerson's techniques uh, with restorative retelling, which she developed, are very helpful and have very uh, high success rate of healing. And it's not therapy at all. So the idea of coming along as a companion is to walk through this with somebody. Their grief takes the lead. And what they're exposed to in their emotions and what they're dealing with in the practical part of everyday life, it can sometimes just be a whipsaw effect of back and forth and back and forth. I'm grieving, but I have to get my kid to school. I'm 
dressing my baby and my teenager as having an emotional breakdown over something. And I feel like I'm not equipped to deal with that. So when they have a companion come along, they have someone to just say that to, and they can sort out a lot of things just by being able to say them. And also they have somebody that can listen without being judgmental and without breaking down themselves. So Merle and I do a lot of emphasis on self-care so that you have ways of decompressing after you've been exposed to someone else's traumatic experience. You work with that in, in some of your work as well. And even what you do on the radio is really helping people to connect with what's actually happening and it makes sense and they are not broken and there are warm hearts out here to hear what they have to say and to help them along. I love what you guys are doing because I feel like it's a way for people that are really hurting. I mean, we found out in COVID, a lot of people that I deal with in recovery who are trying to get into counseling can't. We know that there's a great shortage of mental health support. And what we're offering is something that Dr. Einerson has recognized as mental health support without being the actual therapy. You need to learn how to stay in your lane, but there's a lot that can be offered by having a friend nearby, even a rent-a-friend like us, where we're a volunteer or, or a paid position, but to be able to come alongside and to feed stuff back and just to help understand, like you said, oh, yeah, you are going to have physical manifestations of what looks like an illness, but actually this is a grief response, and you are going to have emotions that are just way out of control, and that's normal for people who are grieving. And it's good to keep in mind grief and trauma are not disorders. Now, some areas in medicine are trying to make them disorders to get people on insurance or medicated. Grief and trauma are natural and normal distresses. That's where we can do the process that we use can do a lot of good for people. We are willing to stand by people as long as it takes, and that can be weeks, months, or years. We want to spend our time expanding the safety net of community around each person. We will refer them to, it could be Chaplain Barbara, who runs the Traumatic Loss Bereavement Department at Swedish Hospital in Edmonds. We work with some very good therapists in, in traumatic loss. We just want to have their circle of trusted listeners and support get bigger and bigger. And then what we find, the more they're able to talk about their trauma and their pain, but it can even be physical pain, then we see that guilt and shame goes away because they're not internalizing it. And then uh, anger starts to subside and then acceptance. And then actually going into meaning making, what did that death mean? And what does my life now mean? And then we even see cases of what, what's called post-traumatic growth, where their life just takes off in a different direction, a new direction, and they're, they're stronger people and they're more experienced because of going through the trauma. And so let's keep in mind, we're kind of talking about a population that we tend to see, but there's a whole nother population out there of refugees, people who are displaced, of people who have been going through abusive circumstances. There are all different kinds of other populations that experience another kind of loss or a compounded loss, maybe in their physical disability that they have acquired. They also lost some lives of family close to them. So what we're talking about is providing 
a method of understanding these things and of companioning and coming alongside. So this traumatic grief companioning project is designed to reach out to people who have this exposure regularly. The um, Support 7 has been very gracious in hosting this next workshop that we're going to be doing in November, on November 4th. And what we're looking for there is to let people know what's available in terms of understanding grief, grief reactions, healing, bereavement, traumatic losses. And then we will get into these deeper dives of what Merle was just talking about in subsequent workshops. We have a registration page at support7.org, and that's an organization in Edmonds support, and then the number 7.org. So you can register there. If you have questions, specific questions, then there is an email at griefcompanioning at gmail.com. And we can explain any specific questions that people might have. We call it the warm handoff dynamic. We're not doctors. We can't diagnose. We don't try, but we can assess. We're trained to assess. So we want to have next steps for these people because uh, it's not always going to involve us until they no longer feel they need support. It's going to expanding their community. So that's a big part of it, getting more and more trusted listeners involved with them. And then they're going to be there for others. So let's explain like where they come from just a little bit. Emergency number will be called 911. First responders show up. You may have fire. You may have police. You'll probably have a chaplain assigned by one of those groups showing up. In the South Snohomish County area on the west side, Support 7 is also available, and they show up with a chaplain and a portable office for the first responders to have a point of contact and a resting space. And they talk with the families. They help people to orient to what's going on. They help with information. They know what questions to ask. But then when this is all done, they need to leave because they're going to have other calls and they're going to have other emergencies. And as I said, first responder, they are the ones that are going to be responding to the next event that comes up. So what the Traumatic Grief Companioning Project is seeking to do is to fill in some gaps between that event and that day or that night, and then going to the point where the person may join a support group or may be able to develop their own support system. And so we just companion them through that period of time before they really are able to get long-term support. And then we're available as a resource uh, following that. So I hope that helps kind of clarify what gap we're trying to fill. Suddenly you're faced with all of these decisions that you've never even thought about. And so thinking that there's somebody to come in and be a companion, a friend that might know a little bit about connections just seems like in many ways, like a miracle. Even what questions to ask. How do you know what question to ask when they say, where would you like us to take your loved one? What? You know, like, I don't know, to the hospital? If they've died, then you need to be able to understand what that means. And you have to make some choices. And there are even temporary choices you can make that buy you a little bit of time if you know to ask the questions. So Support 7 does all of that in the immediate circumstance right at that time, and they're really wonderful. All their chaplains are highly trained. And then when people have left that situation and they're just going through the fog of the next days, they're not ready for a support group and they're not ready for 
talking about most of the things that have happened. They haven't processed it yet. So a companion can come along at that time and just say, okay, what do you need to do today? Let's clarify what has to happen. Let's understand how you're feeling. Okay, maybe you need to sleep a little bit before you make that decision that you're talking about. Let's just pause for a few minutes here and kind of gives you all that friend support that you that you hoped you had. And that's one of the reasons we're out there. We're reaching the community so people will learn what is a helpful thing to say <laughs> instead of an unhelpful thing to say. Yeah. yeah. I like how you broke down companioning. Do you want to go through that? Companioning has been around since the fall of man, but Dr. Wolfeld has really brought it to the forefront with this term. And he explains that the opposite of companioning is treatment. And the Latin root of the word for treat is tractare, which we get our word tractor. That means to drag. The word for patient means passive long-term sufferer. You put them together, you're dragging the long-term sufferer through the situation of muck. And that's not really too empowering. What we do is have psychoeducational materials that will validate and normalize. There's over 60 physical, spiritual, existential conditions that happen, behaviors, and those are all perfectly normal. And when you go through that with each person, they'll go, wow, I had three of these this morning. That's me right now. And then they start to understand I'm really not going crazy. That's a start. Cindy explains this very well about bringing out their vocabulary so they can explain how they feel. They can get that out. And that can be discussed and uh, not judged or analyzed, but with curiosity, because we learn through them. I like one of the things that Dr. Wolfelt says, the central role of the companion to a mourner is related to the art of honoring stories. And we do get to hear the stories. People will often, in the days and weeks and months following a tragic event, focus on that event. And we have the ability to talk with them uh, long enough and hear what they have to say about that and then go forward and say, tell me some other stories and tell me some other memories. Tell me some other things that you think of when you think of this person. If I wanted to get to know this person, what would you tell me? So we have some ability to move forward with what memories are you recalling all of the time? So when you may recall a very difficult memory, we try to associate that also with a really positive memory. We get to see the light bulb go on where the, the first responders, they have to move on. They get dispatched somewhere else. They're holding all that pain. Same with medical examiners, crime scene cleanup personnel. We are around to work with them through the companioning process, and we see the breakthroughs in the six to 10 weeks, we see the light bulb go on and they, the eyes get big, you know, even while they're sobbing because they see for the first time hope. And last week I had one woman lost her adult son uh, many years ago, never, never had anyone to talk to. She said for the first time since he died, I feel joy. So there's that little glimmer of joy and then it goes away, but then it comes back for a little longer. That's really the reward, and that's a big part of our self-care as well, is being able to experience that and go alongside them. I love all of these things that you're doing, and the questions that are coming to me, number one, someone listening says, I have somebody that needs you right now. How do they get in touch with this new project? That would be 425 
275-6605. And that is also accompanied by griefcompanioning at gmail.com. Great. And somebody else listening is like, I want to do this. I want to be a companion. They would probably want to just register for the conference. That would be that would be an excellent first step. And we do have great resources as well that they will be able to take away with. So to register for the project workshop coming up, you would go to support7.org. And then if you want to see some of the resources that are available to people right now, and you would like to see what some of the psychoed materials are, or poetry that people have written, or stories or videos, that's at griefandtraumachaplaincy.com. We do have a lot of different resources for each person to find what they need and be able to get the kind of support that we can offer them and information about what other support they might need, either professionally or how do I put together a support system for myself. And at the conference, our list of speakers are going to be Dr. Ryan Earson, developer of restorative retelling, Dr. Jennifer Levin, and she's a great trauma therapist, and she's in the Pacific Northwest. Cindy and I will be speaking, and Shannon Sessions, who you had on the show, Executive Director of Support 7, and then Chaplain Cindy Cinema. She's the Traumatic Grief Companioning Project Director. We'll be covering the timeline of unnatural loss, impact of traumatic grief on individuals and families, emotional first aid, support groups versus clinical groups, and community-based programs that include companioning. It's being presented as a story. So we do honor the storytelling of the people that are involved, and we have a story format throughout the day that runs through the thread of all of this. I promise Mm -hmm. you won't be disappointed. Yeah, and it's not going to be over-clinical. And since you're going to be listening to us, speak for about eight hours. We're going to feed you. We're going to provide lunch. The fee is $50 to attend. So if you are a first responder, if you're somebody who's married to a first responder, if you have people in your family, it just sounds like this. There's so many people that could really benefit from this education. Crime victims, people that have suffered traumatic losses, everybody is invited. And people in ministry, and this is not with any particular religion or background. As chaplains, we do have a spiritual foundation ourselves, but we are there for the community. We're there for everybody in the community, and there is no single perspective or religious group or organization that is sponsoring this. This is a community event. We like to often say We check our spiritual belief system at the door, but we bring our spirituality in the room with us, which means we're open to what spirituality is to them. There's so many things when it comes to companioning. One of the favorite things for me has been moving from hospice to companioning because with hospice, we were sitting by a bedside, usually not speaking. Often the person was non-communicative and we were just there. And moving to this companioning for the bereaved is very much the same. And it's for those people who have put in those hours for someone else. And now we want to provide that support. You know, what do you need? Take a look at what we can offer you. We can 
support you so that you're able to continue doing this wonderful work that you've done or you can heal from this loss that you've had. Either way, we really are interested in seeing people be able to claim their lives back and find the purpose, as Merle said, the meaning making in their lives and to move forward with a sense of purpose that you definitely have roles to fill and you can make some choices that give you opportunities that you might like to have to either rest or recover or to be engaged in the community to reach out to others. It comes down to basically tending the wound because unless the wound is tended, it won't heal. It'll be stuffed down and carried on into the future to come back in another form that's probably unrecognizable. If there's anything that has stood out to me in all of my different things that I dabble in is the story. You mentioned the conference is about stories and people that walk into this work often have a story. And Cindy, before we started, you shared a story. And what I loved about it is it really emphasized the understanding when somebody is going through some sort of trauma how somebody who is trained can walk beside them and understand rather than judge. And I wondered if you wanted to share that story about your dad. I'm at a hospital and my dad, who is a former land developer, was saying that we need the right vehicle to get to the station to deal with the solid waste because the fluids have been handled, but the solids haven't been and we need some help with that. And I said, okay. I said, do you need to go to the bathroom? (laughs) And I said, so I got a nurse and he says, no, no, don't leave. Cause I was leaving for this interview. And I said, no, the nurse can help you. He says, does she know where to go? And I said, yes, dad, she can drive to the sanitation station. He goes, oh, good. That's what we need. So as you can see through that story, in, he just is recovering from surgery, so he's not connecting all the dots, but his engineering brain is going down a path to try to communicate. And by just sitting and hearing what he had to say and understanding a little bit of something about him, I'm not just walking in cold like somebody who doesn't know him, but understanding a little bit about him, we were able to connect the dots and get the right help for the nurse be able to help him get to the restroom. Love my dad, love the disconnect, but especially love the training we have had over the years of being able to hear what someone is saying and put it together in a meaningful way that gets them the services that they need or the support that they need. And everyone comes away with a smile of one kind or another. So thank you for remembering that. Well, the conference is coming up very soon. So again, let's just say how people can register. www.support and the number seven dot org. Yeah, the Traumatic Grief Companioning Project. And it's November 4th, which is a Friday. 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. at the Scriber Community Life Center, 19820 Scriber Lake Road in Linwood. This training is going to help open the door of what companioning is about, and there will be companioning training coming up after this, but you will learn how to handle the awkward silence when we're listening and how not to fix things. Um, how to how to just be a good companion. We see Job's friends, three friends, showed up. They sat next to his side seven days and seven nights and said nothing. That was honoring some awkward silence right there. So there's all sorts of skills and tools that are available. Anyone can do this pretty much, 
Um, it's been said that Noah's Ark was built by amateurs and the Titanic was built by professionals. And there's a lot in that statement in that people like Cindy and I, uh, we're not therapists, we're not doctors. Uh, we've been doing this for many years. And uh, anybody that has the calling to do this, regardless of their spiritual background or faith, can do it. And everybody who is involved with a first responder or a second responder in any sense would really benefit from these skills because we are just learning how to use our own personality and our own way of thinking to support other people <clears throat> that don't have what they need when they need it. So it's something that people come to us all the time and ask for something random you know sometimes it's a book sometimes it's a movie thing that they saw um sometimes they want to tell us about a resource that they have come across and it happens all the time and we can connect that to people that are able to use the information and it also really builds our own relationships with them when we can share all those things so um, i would really encourage people to take a look at this workshop it's a a little bit of a preview of things to come in terms of other training and we would love to see you there thank you Lori. i'm Lori hardy thanks for listening today we hope you've learned something new join us again next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference 